recording straight out of Five Scotland. You're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts, Stuart Sutherland and the foul mouth master chef himself, Magic Mike Christie. Hey. And you can't start listening to episode 254, Blood Sports. How's it going, man? Aye, man, aye, aye. Still busy as fuck at work, so. Aye. It's weird, like, yeah, like, obviously, well, like, everything's still going on, like, People are still fucking happy to mix about, like. I know, we're not recorded a lot this year, but obviously in our last couple of episodes we've been talking about, like, obviously, the pandemic. And you think, right, okay, they done that one in April. And then, or no, I think uh-huh. it was June. June we were sitting talking about, like, Skyfall and Extraction. And now, yeah. like, we're in October. So surely it's all over with by then. But, no. Uh. It's like, oh fuck, I no, think it's even going, worse. I think we're going backwards. Eh? I mean, was it yesterday? I was, I was, I've been working up at the golf club the last few days just to cover holidays. Come back in yesterday to find out a fucking, a bus dropped off like a group of like 25 people. Right. And like asked if they could get a table and I'd like, are you fucking high? <laughs> and apparently, apparently they're from three different houses, like three households. Yeah. And it's like, hmm. I fuck it just becomes so right. relaxed with the rules. I know. And it's the whole like it's the whole restriction that they're talking about like you know, like, like drink indoors. Mm-hmm. There was um a pub along the I'm I'm not gonna like name drop it, but there was a funeral there like, a few days ago and like fucking thought they were at the funeral posted photos online in the funeral, drinking uh. in the pub. <laughs> And then there's another place that's kind of local-ish mm-hmm. that had folk standing outside fucking, like, watching them all, like, drinking doors. Aye. It's... And like, some people just didn't fucking care, eh? Mm-hmm. And that's it. You're and just wondering, like... eh? You're just thinking, like, are they going to... Are these people getting fined? Are they just getting let off with it? Because if they get let off with it, it's got to continue. And it's, mm. I feel like it's getting closer and closer to home now. Like, fuck, with where I work, and there's, like, the, the Kingdom Shopping Centre, and now it's sprouted up saying, oh, super drugs, the staff at super drugs tested positive, the shop shut. And it's like, fucking hell. It's like, it's even getting close to Greg's now. Ah, hmm. oh, no. So it's like, right, shops you walk past every day, like, the fucking staff that work there are all testing positive. It's like, fucking hell. It is. It's just, like, a few feet away from you now. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, like, like before all this, like, I would... I can't even live everything again. I can be happy to, like, get all my days off, like, get the bus to, like, Kirkcaldy or Plymouth this and, like, can, like, have a look at, like, CX or whatever, right? Aye. So now I, have, I just don't bother, right? I do not bother. The whole time I ever look at CX or HMV is if I'm... And let's say like Dundee or whatever with Michelle and all that. Aye. I'm just happy doing all my fucking shopping online. Yeah, that's it. That's like the the fucking retail. Become, and like are we getting uh, battered. We get like a weekly. We get a weekly food shop, and we just do the point where you pick it up in the wee lockers at like Asda. Aye. Well, that's it. And uh, so we didn't even need to go in at the fucking shop. Eh? Mm-hmm. When we did ours, it was always uh, delivered to the house. So you just mm. meet the guy at the door, find out that he's not got half the stuff you need. So, uh. but uh, that was the way. And 
obviously, it's got a big fucking knock-on effect on films. Mm. I mean, like the year 2020 where we're going to be left with... Like, I was just thinking, like, blockbusters, you can't even count five. Like, how no. many how many blockbuster movies are we going to get in 2020? And I'm like, okay, we've got Tenet. And I was like, is Sonic the Hedgehog? Bad I mean, Boys we, for I Life? Would you even class Invisible Man as a blockbuster? I wouldn't think so. It being, like, Bloomhouse, they're always fairly small productions. Uh, well, I guess, like, this is it. This is, like... The the first summer without a whole rake of summer blockbusters. There's one film. Uh, Two. If you give Bill and Ted uh, face the music. Uh, so it's kind of like, right, Jesus. What the fuck's happened? And I don't know. It's just watching these cinema, all these studios buckle and push back. Well, I'm saying buckle. Of course, they're just trying to stop encouraging people for going out. But I think they're all just feared that they're going to lose so much money at the box office. Aye. And obviously the nail in the coffin was uh, No Time to Die being pushed back like another six months. Uh, something like that. So it's like, fucking hell. And just Cineworld right away just like, yep, fuck it. That was what we were waiting on. And it's like, we're not going to hang about with half a dozen fucking indie films that no one's uh, going to see. Like, ah, sure, okay, what's it? Schemers, Kajillionaire, and a whole other th- bunch of films I've never heard of. But, uh, fuck, hedging all your bets on those. Like, if it was me, I would still be trying to show Tenant every day, just hoping someone would pay attention to it. Uh, I think, uh, like, Blumhouse put an update the day saying that like regardless of what happens next year, Halloween Kills will be released regardless of what happens. Oh, that's fine, because they announced pretty early on, saying, right, okay, we're just going to skip 2020. We'll see you at Halloween 2021. And we're like, okay, yeah. fair enough. But uh, it would be fucking horrific if they'd done, it, if they'd done that again in a year's time, because yeah. it's all done. It's just... We just need to Aye. give us the movie. Thing is, like, should, I mean, look at like, um, like the announcement the other day that uh, Amazon picked up coming to America. Yeah, and a, a lot of like, say your um, Shudder and like fucking Netflix and all that, and Amazon, they're gonna start doing all that exactly, and it's so that like big massive like like big studio films are gonna like, get bought under that label. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with, with Disney having to get the pressure put on them of like, well, what are you going to do? Right, okay. But then it's like, a, like they, went about, they went about the wrong way. They went about that the wrong way. Because mm. if, if Amazon fucking dropped coming to America a week before Christmas with like a price on it, yeah, then surely Disney would have to think of what they're going to be doing because people like are saying, like, can, like, why you know just fucking drop Black Widow or whatever the fuck you, what, what was your mum was it no Eternals or something yeah aye and that's that's just been pushed like a year hasn't it like uh, not even I mean, at least, trailers at least I suppose the, the good thing about the pandemic was that you got uh, new mutants I mean I've never seen it I've oh yeah yeah it. aye I mean I'll, I'll watch that uh, when it eventually shows up 
I'm not sure if that'll uh, end up on Disney Plus since they technically own like Fox yeah. now. But I mean, because what they chose to release, obviously they took onwards, and actually, it's just they put it behind a paywall, and then just this month, the beginning of October, they put it on Disney Plus. Mulan is behind a paywall until the first of December. And then right. on Christmas Day, they're giving you the new Pixar movie, Soul. Uh, ah, I've seen that. And they're just putting it out, like, no price, nothing to pay, just Christmas Day, bang, here's a new Pixar movie. Yeah. But I just feel, obviously, they're just biding their time with the, like, sort of, like, Marvel. It's just, I reckon, too much money to lose. Now, uh-huh. the, like yeah, sure, okay. They'll be wanting fuck to get that cinema experience, but still, it's, it's gonna be a while before you're you're ever yeah. gonna have a pat cinema again. Uh because I mean, even when like we went and seen Tenet, there was like a couple of people here and there. Yeah, and I, I mean, I went when I went and seen it a second time again. There was only a couple of people there. Mm-hmm. We were the same, mostly. So... Me and Margaret saw it a few weeks after me and you went and saw it and again it was like maybe less than 10 and you're just thinking uh, these independent cinemas are just getting shafted you think mm-hmm. at least there's some security with like the big chains Odeons and Cineworlds but when it's like our neck of the woods and it's like the independent contractors and they're relying on these big ass movies I think they post this and right it's going to be Tenant, it's going to be Mulan James Bond and then it's like right they're they're taking that away from you. Michael, they're taking this. I know they showed Michael. I know they showed Michael Ball and some fucking Alfie Ball from him. Yeah, I and Andre like Ryu the week before. Uh, and yeah. I'm not sure how those are doing because they're always fairly expensive. These uh, satellite broadcasts, uh, concerts, and but fuck knows. I think at the moment, only time I know that I'm going to be going to the cinema next is. I've noticed the new Spongebob movie has now been put to the beginning of November. Alright. So, my bairns are Spongebob Spongebob daft. So, if that actually ends up being true, because this was like, eh, I think it was like March, then it was May, then it was August, then like, they updated saying January, and I was like, what? For fuck's sake, why? And it's it's out in America, it, it was like, Canada... I remember it seeing it was making some box office over in the states, but it just like there was no, it was just being held back here. But now, from the looks of it, it's gonna be next month, so that's probably gonna be the last time I go to this like the pictures this year. There's gonna be no other reason because it's all yeah. gonna be. I mean, held if, back. Can if the fucking if they were showing lights to like come Christmas time and all that, and they were actually show lights. Trading places or something like that, and it's mm-hmm. only on Christmas Eve during the day, and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I'll go. Yeah. Right, ah, I love fucking trading places. The, I think that's what they're having to rely on is like throwing up the classics and hoping they'll get people with that... nostalgia. Because you had. Uh, well, that was. There was a. There was a fucking. An article about saying that, like, like big chains, like, see a Cineworld and Odeon, that, like, should start relying on, like, Classics, I don't know. I mean, like, but mm-hmm. no, like the usual can like, but like every cinema shown like fucking 
back to feature and Empire Strikes Back and it yeah. starts showing like a wider variety Mm-hmm. And, that's and, uh, and can even just making a wee bit of money just to like tick by, yeah. Because mm, you're gonna be relying on your concessions if anything, because that's where they all make aye. the money. Like the studio oh, will aye. always take a higher percentage of your ticket price. What was it, Odeon announced the day that you're getting like half price tickets until like October thirty first and all that. Right, and that's it because it's like, it's like uh, uh, that's fine, but what the fuck are you showing? Yes, and that's it. Cause I think before when before Tenant came out, they had to rely on all these other things. It was like the first two, Bill and Ted, as you said, Empire Strikes Back, because it was an anniversary, and then it was Harry Potter films, and it was just uh, all your kind of family favourites that they could get their hands on. But now it's just like, well, they're going to have to go back to that. Like if hmm. Whether it is just going to be the films that they've had in the last few years... They can like, uh, like illuminations, um, uh, the Grinch, and I, I do think I'll go as far back as Minions. But like, obviously, when they start getting your Christmas movies, they'll probably start pulling in all the last Christmas movies you got in the last five years, or something uh, that's maybe still accessible or enough for fuck going ah fuck it come on let's we'll, we'll go to the pictures and and see Shrek. But yeah. It's definitely, I do not envy them in this time, but I was going to say, let's talk about uh, a couple of trailers for films that are not going in cinemas, I, I don't believe. Yeah, there's one There's one with a very Christmas theme of the time. Yes, so we definitely know when these ones are coming out. Uh, first of all, we have Jiu-Jitsu from the director of uh, Kickboxer Retaliation and uh, is it Kickboxer Retribution or... <sighs> Resurrection, whatever. Ah, no. uh, yeah, like the last two kickboxers. Yeah, it, I only watched. Either, uh, I only watched one of them, and it was the first one because Dave Bautista played Tom Poe. That's it. That's right. I still didn't understand that that casting, like, but and yeah. it was like Van Damme was like the like the mental, aye. Mm-hmm. Aye, it was different. <laughs> um, um, it was Ernest. I never in a way. watched the third one, but anyway. No, I haven't either. But. Um, so this one is the same director this time Nicolas Cage and Tony Jaa and that Alan I, I want to say Musi yeah the guy he was in the different 13 and all that yeah and that's I he, think, was, he was in he was in Kitboxer as he well was, he, he was played. wasn't he the good guy in, in them yeah aye. aye he was said hero and I mean Jiu Jitsu you can only describe it as um, like aliens come from another planet, predator style aliens, where they're these invisible, super athletic beings, and the only people that could stop them is like the world's greatest jujitsu fighters, being led by Nicolas Cage. That kind of he's arrogant. He looks like his character from Sorcerer's Apprentice, or he's a really dishevelled version of his character from a national treasure and he's just shown up gathered the greatest fighters to fight these predator style aliens which turn out to be thai martial arts star tony ja yeah i kind of wonder if maybe like see if they kept that reveal under wraps and had it unveil like in the film i wonder if maybe mm. that would have a better effect Maybe, but then it's like, right, 
his face is slapped on the poster right beside Nicolas Cage. So I'm not sure if it's like big marketing for like your Asian audience. Like, let's just kind of mm-hmm. get those tickets sold in Asia because they'd be wondering what, why the fuck are you showing this here anyway? But uh, Tony Jaa. I want to see Nicolas Cage fucking dead in a predator. Aye, and that's it. He's, he's so over the top now I think they've just like let him off the lead let him do whatever the fuck he wants uh, now because there's even a yeah. moment in that trailer where he's talking about how zany he was and he done the fucking hand motion over his face like from face off and I was like oh he's referencing other films it's even at the end where he fucking comes up with like a line saying I can fly too which was emphasising he is also a jujitsu master and I was like okay fair enough I hope they've yeah. got a good stunt double. It looks like a piece of harmless nonsense. Yeah. If anything, they've I mean, always got the action spot on in these films. Like You could rely on it. At least the martial arts will look pretty good. They can't get that yeah. wrong, surely. That should be decent. Like, <clears throat> I mean, I think it's like, like the Nick Cage films the last like, few years have just been absolute men. I mean, Mandy was... Yep. Mandy was a strange one. A bit, uh, a bit too long for me and a bit too dull mm-hmm. and I've no checked out the one he done last year that, um, oh what was it something colour colour of space that's it I... yeah I haven't seen that either uh, I did see Netflix put up Adaption though and that's one of those films where there's like several Nick Cages oh god ah it's one for like well, well uh, back in it's the... a drama though eh? I'm not too sure but I'm curious about it because I've always seen that artwork and it's like Nicolas Cage's head is a broken plant pot. And I've always uh, kind of wondered, what the fuck is that? And as uh, I keep reading that there's a Nicolas Cage bo- movie being made about Nicolas Cage, being played by Nicolas Cage. And I'm not sure if it was also being directed by Nicolas Cage, but I was like, that's too crazy. <laughs> but I reckon. And then, of course, the other one that you brought to my attention today was Mad Mel Gibson, uh, Walter Goggins, in a film called Fat Man. Uh, uh, that that looks like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I'll clearly have like when to I be seen, on, what's it, Demand uh, This Christmas. Yeah, like when I seen the, like the plot for that, I was kind of thinking to myself, is fucking is Mel playing Santa or mm-hmm. is he playing the fucking Hitman? Yeah. I kinda of thought I was like, it has to be it has to be fucking Mel playing the Santa and Walton uh, Walton Goggins playing the fucking Hitman. Mm-hmm. As the fact that like like the whole plot is just bonkers the fact that a fucking kid hired a Hitman kid. to take him out because he's been because he's fucking been duped the fucking Mel Gibson. Ah, he's been given a like a block of coal. <laughs> And he's just like, Curse you, fat man! <laughs> uh, like, what? Uh, that's, that's definitely one that I'm going to be keeping an eye out for. I don't know, it is like kind of like... one of those ones where it's that fucking zany and he's like, fuck it, that might actually be a laugh. Yeah. So, and that's it. We're This is what we're having to rely on now because we're not getting blockbuster movies. Like, we're getting to see all these weird, obscure um I'm, when you say indie gems, but it's like almost step above straight to DVD. I think the only thing that movie is missing is like a cameo for Danny Trejo. 
Uh, I could see him playing an elf. Aye. Aye. <laughs> I feel we're, we're adequately warms up. So, today we're going to be talking at length about Jean-Claude Van Damme. And the reason why? Well, the muscles from Brussels will be turning 60 this month. It's funny to think that that's him just getting... Turning sixty ah, now, just turning 60. and it just—I think we had just forgot or neglected the fact that he was clearly the youngest of the called the action stars we watched when we were kids. Because I mean, we had yeah. Stallone, Schwarzenegger, uh, Seagal, and um, obviously um, John Claude, like Bruce Willis, and that. aye, Bruce aye. Willis. But these guys were all like had a good ten years on. Jean-Claude Van Damme from the looks of it. So, of course, you had, like, Arnie and Stallone looking ancient and, like, the Expendables. You get all those photos where, like, they're both in fucking hospital beds because they're that battered and beaten up. And you're, like, you're thinking, well, hi, they're fucking fairly fucking old now. And then fucking Jean-Claude's not even hit 60 yet. He's not even got his bus pass. Nah. <clears throat> Hang his hair, he hangs his hair, he looks, he looks alright stuff for his age, he still looks fucking jacked, and yeah. still doing all these wee, like, like, wee little leg splits and stuff. Exactly. I imagine sitting, I wonder if that's what he does, if there's like a video of him on his 60th Blow the candles out on a cake any other way than doing the splits. Yeah. At least he's like the only cunt in the 60s that could do the splits like on purpose. Not like some poor old cunt done it by accident and he's just fucking torn his balls. I don't know, I reckon, uh, I reckon Jackie Chan can still do it like. Aye. And he's well past 60 as he well. Is, he is, he's bang into his 60s but he doesn't slow doing either. I think there's definitely sense that there's when it is like stunts, there's some other cunt doing it, thankfully. You've got to remember, it's like, this boy's getting old now. We can't expect him to fucking jump off the balcony and go doing the light pole. Yeah. But, so, um, early Jean-Claude Van Damme memories. Now, you... Oh, fucking hell. Mm, so, what is your earliest memories of Jean-Claude's for um... yourself? I'm trying. Like, it was obviously it was like through my dad, mm-hmm. and I, and I still can't make up my mind if it was kickboxer or Universal Soldier because I remember my dad renting Universal Soldier mm-hmm. uh, like one night with him and his pal just sitting in the house, and I mind just was watching this and just it fucking blew my wee like how old would that have been at that time? Six maybe coming up for seven. Yeah, because that's it. Was and it just early fucking nice. blew my mind how fucking cool it was. Aye. The fact that they were like there were these like Vietnam soldiers that they were like regenerated and all that. Mm-hmm. It was one that was constantly getting played in my video player when I was younger. Was well, I always mind that memory of like getting ready for school one morning, and Universal Show Soldier is playing, and it's the sequence where they've got the. The necklace with all the severed ears on it. 
Uh, and I just mind getting ready for school, seeing that little campfire scene. Just thinking, man, this is dark. <sighs> my, I really think my earliest memory of like Jean-Claude Van Damme is getting my mum to tape Nowhere to Run off of Sky Movies for me when I was wee. Uh, I remember because they would they would sit and show adverts for it all week, saying it was maybe like the Saturday night premiere or something, and I just remember giving her the videotape, saying, "Please, come on, just sit please, there. please tape it." I sit the recorder tape, and I'll be sitting watching it like Sunday morning, and forgetting that well, well, not knowing that Jean Claude pretty much like fucks anything that moves in his movies, and you're like, uh, "Oh, hi, okay, there's always." This is the nineties, of course. We're gonna have this. Some fucking some titties with your teeth toast on a Sunday morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is what you taped over a country file for. What? <laughs> but and oh, I think I know, and it's between that and maybe I'm not sure if we were savvy enough to get them to rent us movies like that when we we're younger. Like I don't think. I'm positive we've probably seen things like Sudden Death and AWOL through Sky Movies more than Walkers, like Video mm. Shop. But I specifically remember us getting to rent uh, The Quest when were we? Ah, uh, Roger Moore and that. Yeah, I think we'd like convinced our Auntie Beth to request us the like the the Quest just because it was the new Jean Claude Van Damme and another fucking tournament movie as well. I know. Again, I've not seen that film in fucking ages. Hang on, it's on like ITV4 every second day or something. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's, I watched, last time I watched it was for the podcast, and it's still, it's still fun for me. I reckon what Andy, if, if he really enjoyed it, but fucking I enjoyed going back to it. I definitely need to go back and rewatch it. Like, it looks fun. Uh, do you have any other early Van Damme um, I mean, I always remember, like, also, like, w- like watching Universal Soldier with my dad and that. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mum and dad got me it for fucking Christmas on video, and your mum was not fucking happy, like. Because <laughs> uh, ah, I'm pretty right. sure I was fucking, I'm pretty sure I was buzzing to tell you because I'm pretty sure I told you about it. And, that, and I was like, oh, we can fucking watch it. Because <laughs> that's like, what, isn't it like an 18 as well? Ah, yeah. And we were like eight. It's like the same, ah, that's when I would, I think it was the same year that I got Jurassic Park on video, I think. Ah. Like, Jurassic Park's tossed out of the shoulder. Fucking Universal put right in that videotape. Yeah. Fucking here we go, boys. Aye. Fuck's sake. I mind that. <sighs> Okay, I'm let's... pretty sure we had at least every one of these fucking films taped at some point. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm like, there's so much of these films I actually need to go back and watch, like A Wall, um, Time Cop. Ah, Time Cop, man. And like, I, I just want to say that because I bet it's absolute nonsense, but it was probably great at the time. Uh, uh, then I've never ventured like I think Bloodsports maybe the earliest. Of like his filmography because I've never seen the likes of Cyborg from Canon. I've only ever seen I've only ever seen Cyborg once I think because they had the other one um, 
No retreat, no surrender. That's another one I can remember. I've still not seen that one. You got me Black Eagle, eh? Yes. I give you a blue for your thirtieth. Like where we went out for a meal, that was like it's a Van Damme Blu-ray. It'll do. Yeah. And you paid me back um, this year. I know. Um, what was the fucking? Oh man, I what was the one when he was in prison? Death Warrant. That's it. Oh, I didn't I was going that. after like a serial killer. It's, uh, it's always a, it's always best. So many because I think I looked at Letterboxd and had like seventy-five acting credits. And there is those things like Maximum Risk. Then you've got a uh, Double Impact or uh, Double Team. I'm um, I'm pretty sure I had the like double fucking box set. The like, double double. It was it was a it was Double Impact and Nowhere to Run. Ah, and, right. I, and it was and it was in two tapes and it was in a double fucking barrel box. Yeah, and that's I remember. Um, buying Double Impact fucking not against my will I just remember buying that on DVD from a Curry's that was closing down like literally they were selling everything in the shop the shelves, the lot and behind the counter there was about <sighs> 30 copies of Double Impact like <laughs> just a pyramid and I'm pretty sure it was like fucking pennies and I was like aye I'll have one of those and watching it and it was like the cheesiest it's Van Damme and Van Damme and I remember there's like a sex scene and it's like a red lit room and he's doing the splits and there's tits and splits <laughs> and I was like what's going on and I, was like, I don't remember the rest of the film fucking oh, uh, what's his name in it as well uh, Bolo's in it as well oh fuck Jesus I don't even remember that I just remember the tits and the splits <laughs> and Man, because that's a, he has done so many. He done like a bunch of films with like a Hong Kong director called Ringo Lam, and it was like In Hell, Maximum, Maximum Risk, and even done one with Choi Hark, uh, Knock Off. That was the one with uh, Rob uh, Rob Schneider. Schneider, and they're uh, in Hong Kong, and I think Samuel Hung like done the action for it, and and obviously through eighty eight films, they're kind of um, regenerating his back catalogue. Putting them out on shiny Blu-ray discs. Uh, I mean, like Street Fighter isn't fucking great, but I, I'm considering buying it. I, I, I do adore that film. There's a complete cheesiness, but it's like also childhood nostalgia. I think uh, that one might have actually gotten. Did we rent it or buy it? I can't remember. Watching uh, it on I a remember, Saturday I night. I remember it being the absolute fucking buzzing for it coming out. Mm-hmm. And then it was also a street fighter and it was fan down. Yeah, and then trying to do fucking flying kicks in the back garden like an hour after it's finished, trying to mimic what we've seen <laughs> in the movie. Let's change tracks and get over to our review of the film. Yeah. So, Bloodsport from director Newt Arnold. The film stars Jean Claude Van Damme as Frank Dukes, Donald Gibb as Jackson. Leah Ayers as Janice, Norman Burtman as Helmer, young fresh face Forrest Whitaker as Rollins, Roy Chow as Tanaka, uh, Philip Chan as Captain Chen, and Bolo Young as Chong Lee. Mike, what is the plot to 
Bloodsport. Uh, so Bloodsport, there was a story of the alleged true story of um, what is it? It's a marine, I fucking uh, frangits uh, flees the marines to join to like go to Hong Kong to participate in this what's called like majestic tournament known as Kumite, and it's so fucking badass that Kumite has its own song in the fucking film. Yes, it does. <laughs> And that's what we're reading today. That it's allegedly a true story, but well, people are like tallying up like the the whole fucking can the stuff again at the end and all that. Aye, like the stats and like fuck like if this was true, you would need to have this amount of fighters in one fucking tournament. Well, it's just it ain't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I was like, when I was scrolling through IMDb last night, the credits for the film. I was trying to find the composer. I think it was like Peter Herzog. But when I was going down, I got all the way to the bottom on IMDb's page. And it was like music, sound, stunt. And the first name for stuntman is Frank Dukes. Aye, yeah. So yeah. I, I'm not sure if the fucking real Frank Dukes was just like a, a on set. And he'd done a stunt. And just so they could kind of have him credited in the movie. Like how you always get these films based on true stories and the real people they're based mm. on end up being extras in the background drinking coffee. Like uh, Wolf uh. of Wall Street and... Uh. Aye. So anyway, supposedly based on the true story, they throw you a lot of factoids at the end. Like mm. fucking 72 mile per hour kicks. Fucking... Aye. It doesn't fucking matter eh, because like... You're there to watch a fucking a martial arts film that's got that doesn't take any brains to get in there, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what you want. Yeah, like Margaret even said, it's almost like just kind of like a grown-up karate kid. In the sense where it is, you're just kind of watching this guy Aye. overcome yeah. his expectations, but it's, it's a little bit bloodier than karate kids. Yeah, they, they don't shy away from blood in this film, or ending people's lives. And of course, uh-huh. the fucking film opens with a montage. Like, oh yeah, kind of, okay, right, we're in the 80s, it's late 80s, there's funky music, there's like almost like power ballads singing fucking montages, and then this film opens with just fighters from around the world showing their talents. And God, are you kind of, um, if the, how they, the fucking interpret. Like that one black guy. He's like, right, okay, they're having him train in the jungle and he's jumping through trees. That is that bad he can if that's like nowadays politically correctness. It's like the dude's jumping up and like the can they've got him like a jungle cat fighting style. It's a little bit caparilla, yeah. but the other times are just like this is straight I, I, this guy's better than that, but Fuck. Uh, Mike, anyway, before we dive into our notes, what do you think of the film? See, I kind of like, <clears throat> like the age old debate is obviously like, like what was better, Kickboxer or Bloodsport? Yes. And for years, I've always fucking said that I've always preferred Kickboxer. Mm-hmm. And I watched Bloodsport twice in the last couple of months. And I, I think I actually prefer Bloodsport now the fact that. It just, 
it just goes at fucking breakneck speed. There's no mm-hmm. like slow fucking build or nothing. Eh? It's just about a tournament, and it's just it just gets right to it. Well, that's it. It's like ninety five minutes. No, even yeah, that. give or take. Eh? Yeah, and that's why it's compared so closely to kickboxer because it's stories are almost so much similar, but. The big difference between kickboxer and bloodsport, kickboxer, it's so much uh, like cheesy comedic moments. Like it's almost it's got far much more comedy built into yeah. it. Like just like these jokes and piss takes. Whereas bloodsports are sort of a far more serious. Like he's there, almost like the defending honor the the Tanaka clan and his. His friend is a kid that obviously went to Kumite and didn't get far. But yeah. I did like how immediately uh, Frank's character, well, John Claude's character, Frank, immediately skips like away for the army to go participate in Kumite, and it's just I feel like there's hey, a lot. He goes and his dying mentor first, though. Yes. And you notice how there's like that moment where he stares at the sword and you get like 13 flashbacks where mm. like it's his whole childhood with his friend and then the friend dies and it's now it's, it's went from that weird, awkward kid like with the, the worst fucking uh, Brussels accent to now it's like Jean-Claude Van Damme yeah. with like big puffy hair to highlight that he's a teenager. And then it's him and Roy Chow. And then see, it... fucking... See, when I was watching it the night, and I, I fucking... I could have sworn that the same guy that played fucking Tanaka was the same guy that played fucking... Um, the fucking uh, Hattori Hanzo fucking Kill Bill. Oh, Sonny Chiba. Because I... Ah, yeah. yeah. I was just... I was like... It kind of has that majestic. Like, is that fucking, I was like, is that who I think it is? And I had to go and look it up because it was bothering me. Aye. But no, he Just was... because of the whole, like, fucking moustache and all that. Eh? Totally. Definitely. And that's how he's being portrayed as a Japanese man, where he is not a Chinese actor, but I think he was, like, one of the monks from Enter the Dragon, like, at the very start of the film, that kind of mm. sends Bruce Lee on his journey. But I love how yeah. when. Uh, Frank, well, when Tanaka takes over Frank's training and he's so much more brutal. Like, there's moments where he's like karate chopping him in the face. or where uh, it's, just, like, it's just him getting repeatedly flipped over. And, uh, and there's one moment where like he lands on his feet and says, oh, it's good, yeah, I'll headbutt you. And he's like, what the fuck? And he's on the ground and he's like, he's bleeding for the eye and the mouth. And he's like, Jesus Christ, teacher's rough. And then, like, he's got him blindfolded serving him dinner after it. Mm. So it really was the right Tanaka is his, like, Mr. Miyagi. And it's like, sure, he doesn't come across with him, but he remembers his training. Yeah. And really, like I just said, they don't waste any time because, like, next thing, he's in Hong Kong yeah. and he's on a bus and then we get to see fucking Big Jackson. Was, was it Donald Jackson? Uh, Ray Jackson. Ray Jackson. And... I'm so happy with the route that they went with this character, like this big fucking American uh, caricature, where he's like Harley Davidson head to toe fucking, it looks like he walked off of the set of like Over the Top 
He's got his fucking big cap turned backwards. He's all decked out in denim. He's, <laughs> he's just sitting drinking a beer on the fucking bus. Aye, trying to kind of chat lassies, and you're just thinking, oh no, this is this is like the fodder for Frank. This is the guy that he has to beat up so people around him know, oh this this guy's actually a good fighter. He's just destroyed the big brute American. But they end up having like this fucking amazing wee friendship where they're like they become thick as thieves. And you're like that, that's actually even better because I just expect him to be like the big ignorant fucking British American that Frank manages yeah. to outwit quite easily. So like in Enter the Dragon when Bruce is uh, got that one guy in the boat challenging the fight and says, Okay, we'll go on the small boat and go on the island and the guy gets in the boat and he just lets the boat go just to make an arse of him. I really expect he was kind of going to go down that route, but the fact that mm. they become best pals over like video games was like, man, this is actually a lot better. I quite, I quite enjoyed the race character. Like, just he's, he's, he's everything says about America. He's loud, fucking, mm-hmm. tends to cocky because he's size and all that. And the thing is, like, when they when they get to the tournament, he immediately wants fucking John Lee. Yeah, that's it. And he's like a big fucking cheerleader as well. Like he's still cheering on mm. Frank, but he's he's that fucking proud of himself when he starts headbutting like that first guy, and he's just yes, he he's just so like this big fucking positive character, and he's like, yeah, I want the best, give me you, and he's fucking pointing at Chong Lee, and he's almost like, Jesus Christ, calm down, it's a competition. Why are you point? Why are you picking on me? But this is like one of these films as well where it's actually a really great character for Bolo too. Where he is a little bit more than just like a two-dimensional fucking henchman. Yeah. And I'm saying it funny that we were discussing this uh, film this week because this comes up as like a one-year anniversary from when I went to Edinburgh to see both... Well, I didn't see both. I saw uh, Bolo at this Edinburgh Comic-Con and it was a huge Jean-Claude Van Damme theme. So they had Van Damme... Michael Siskiyou, I'm butchering that second name, the the main bad guy for Kickboxer. And oh, the boy who played Tom Poe. Yeah, and Bolo, obviously, the main bad guy for Bloodsport. So, Is that not the same one where you met fucking Uncle Polly as well? Yeah, Burt Young, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he sat beside the between the Green Power Ranger and fucking Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> but it was just... Strange, because obviously I think Van Damme was the big selling point that year. And I remember looking at it, because it would have been cool to meet Van Damme. Like, fuck, get him to sign Kickboxer or something for me. But it was like Mm. £500 for like a picture, or £500 for an autograph. And it was just one of these things where I was like, no, I can't. That is absolute silly money. So silly. Mm. Fucking mental money. And he still had the biggest line there. The thing is, we're doing these photo opportunities where you were getting your photos taken with several. I was like, you could have got your photo taken with Van Damme, Bolo, and Michael Fe, or Tong Po all together. And it was like, just fucking hundreds of pounds. It was just mental. Uh, and you're just, oh, it was crazy. And I think, obviously, I'd, I paid... God, I think I, 
did not pay any more than £100 to get those autographs from both uh, Burt Young and yeah. uh, Bolo. And it's just because, yeah, they're not as big a stars as like, Jean-Claude Van Damme. But still just absolute crazy money. But still, see, after that event, the amount of photos I've seen, the amount of people that met Jean-Claude Van Damme. And the thing is, he looked so fucking keen in the photos that like he was smiling posing like, like the fucking coverage of his movie he's got the arms out kind of, I'll still look back at like everybody's foes when we went to the John Carpenter tour yes but the man didn't even crack a smile I like, don't know if he was talkative and all that and he was, and he was happy but he's never like cracked a smile or not and he's oh. kind of I'm pretty sure like in my photo it was a case of fucking really miserable me or him <laughs> and that was a, I think there's always that kind of um common misconception of John Carpenter as being like a grumpy old bastard and I heard that myself for people I'd met him before saying ah, he was fairly grumpy and he's like oh man we've just paid fucking premium price to meet the man and I'm fucking scared in case he's going to be really annoyed to see me and I was like yeah. oh man he's going to be raging when I fucking show him like this Michael Myers pop that I want him to sign but uh. he was he was actually talkative I was surprised and he did seem pleasant uh, but just because uh, you got because uh, you got him and like the band to fucking sign the, the vinyl. Right? Yes, the vinyl for the, the Halloween two thousand nineteen eighteen. Eighteen. Ah, uh, uh, the two thousand eighteen vinyl, and part of me now is like, maybe I should have just got him to do like the, the the anthology one where he'd done all the classics. But still, I think that vinyl arrived the same day we were going, so it just like yeah. oh shiny and new. So I had to take that. Thing is, like, it was like everybody. It was always fucking like folks signing like DVDs and fucking shit. Like that. But it was like Gary took Gary took like like the vinyls for like the like the fog and all that. Aye, and that's it. And we all have kind of like our own personal like this is my treasure, like your Halloween steelbook, and the fact that he signed yeah. it with like a nice bronze pen as well. Was that a bronze one? Yeah. Ah, it, was, it was like a gold kind of bronze colour. Aye. And, and just because it kind of goes there like the black steelbook. Oh, aye, it shows up well. Like, behind that reason alone was the reason I bought, like, a a metallic silver sharpie for Bolo to sign my steelbook at Enter the Dragon. Because I was just thinking yeah. what would show up really nice on this steelbook. And it was, like, that one. Right enough, when I got there, he had fucking loads of them in front of him. But I just wanted to kind of just rule out that, that doubt of... Um, like showed up and it's I a plain black doesn't show up very well. and then it fucking writes on like a black case so you have to tell it to the light to fucking see it no I'm, I'm yeah. taking charge I'll buy that fucking silver sharpie and I remember handling <sighs> it all handing these over to his handler because Bolo's old he he was a kid 10 years on um, Jean-Claude Van Damme at least so if that's Van Damme just turning 60 Aye. Bolo's in his 70s and he's oh, been be. dragged out to Scotland in October to sit in a big fucking convention hall, freezing. He was sat there in his like a big Aye. leather gold gym jacket, and like obviously he's he's seventy now, so he's not as big as he was back then. So he's just kind of hiding in this massive jacket, looking freezing. So he just kind of signed it, and then I was like, Do you... I'm sure I'm I'm pretty sure he said to me that he was. He was quite fucking like, like overwhelmed. Built so he wasn't very talkative, and then he kind of came back out later on. Yeah, aye. Chatted, there was a, like a, 
there was, there was supposed to be like a panel at two o'clock and I remember sitting in the front row just like come on this is gonna be awesome let's hear some stories and it was like 10 15 minutes and the, then like the the event organizers came out saying ah he's a bit overwhelmed with all the people that's shown up and Disney really want to come out and like Jesus Christ and then you think well this is a guy in his 70s and he's like he's probably fucking tired he's probably just wanted to lie down and have a sleep and he's sitting there yeah, you were saying that fucking you were saying Uncle uh, Bart Young was as keen as fuck yeah he was like get, come around the desk like let's hold like do the wee fucking like I'll hold your festival do like the wee Rocky thing and man I I would have if I started if oh I, no no it wasn't that that, that wasn't Rocky and that was him pretending that it was his fucking wife uh, what for Chinatown? Oh, aye, for Chinatown, man. <laughs> hey, Curly! <laughs> aye. That's how I really wish I'd seen. I think if I'd seen Chinatown at that point, I would have fucking. I think we did because we done. That was during IMDb's top 250 season. That was early last year. And that's it. I would have, like, just. I think that's it. You get there and you just forget everything you want to fucking say to the guy. It was the same when we met John Carpenter. I, like, I was the same. What was something cool to say? And you're like, oh, like your I just, films. I just froze it. I just froze it. I was like, is Iris, please? Is Iris? I was like, I need these, these right here. Fucking there. Get that pen and sign that bitch. I knew I'm like, man, I just wanted to fucking tell him. Like, you did a good audio commentary. I'm like, you d- you've done it for all your films. I I bought Vampires on DVD today and I'm pretty sure there's one with him and James Woods. On the fucking desk. And like, I'm sure it's on. I'm sure it's on the Blu-ray as well, actually. So it's not like an exclusive special feature, but the boy just obviously liked fucking doing commentaries. Like he'd done mm. everyone with Kurt Russell as well, and he done one in Halloween with. I keep wanting to say Jennifer Jason Lee, but no, Jamie Lee Curtis. And uh, it's, it's it's. I reckon I just appreciate the the fact that the guys done several audio commentaries. Could I say could I have said that to him at the time when I was there? No. What I did yeah. I say is like, can you sign my pop? <laughs> then it's like you fucking tool. But I let's let's get back on track here. So uh. yeah, I love the fucking little Chinese uh, promoter. I can't remember his name. Uh Len. Gwen. Len. 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 Okay. Len. Uh, like, uh, when he first introduced you, he's like, hey, you friend Ducks. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, hold up your Ducks. <laughs> he's like, no. It's... Yeah. Uh, I liked Len. He was pretty funny. Like. Yeah. And he was like this great hype man. And it was when they got to the, the tournament and the officials kind of had, like, they weren't any too chuffed with uh, the one Frank that he was, uh, for the Tanaka, Tanaka clan. And it's like, oh, you must yeah. know that, what's it, the Dimmak. Dimmak, aye. Aye. And it's like, the fucking death punch. And it's that great yeah. shot where, like, obviously he destroys the bottom brick. But they do that angle where it's like the camera's at the bottom of the table looking up so you can see Van Damme's face and the pile of bricks. And they shoot it in, like, slow motion. And he puts his hands up and both his eyes pop out the sockets almost. You see the whites yeah. of the eyes <laughs> as he shatters that fucking bottom brick. And what mm. was that? That Len, like, he was like, Holy shit, guys! He was just so fucking blown away by it. And uh, then fucking Jackson's hyped as well because he's like, he like, he's asking him to pick a brick. Uh, he, he picks one of the top ones and like the the guys behind the desk are like, no, no, like the bottom one. Aye, uh, I like it when uh, like Big Jackson tries to do it later on. 
Oh, yeah. And, and, he's, he's, just... and he's like, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> Bottom brick, right? And he fucking punches down and just smashes the first brick. And it's like, not did yeah. Mac. And he just picks up the brick and smashes it over his forehead <laughs> and presents it as a trophy to the guy. And they're, they're just uh, in yeah. awe, holding the shattered brick, going, oh, I reckon. <laughs> uh, I, I do, like, I, I liked her introduction to uh, uh, Janice. Ah, I mean, like, she's at, like, the hotel and she's, like, being trying harassed. to, like, get fucking gossip, trying to get gossip for the... The, the guys that call it the look, iron sheets, like, she, <laughs> aye, yeah, aye. no, 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 the, the um, all the, the two the, Chinese guys, yeah, because like, like, she knows that fucking like the committee is happening, and, uh, yeah. and they're like, no, like, it's like, like Fight Club, yeah, they can't talk about it, and she pretty much has to sleep her way into the event, yeah, like, she didn't put much of a fight with Frank. But I like nah. the, 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 the how he tricked, what was it, Hosean. And it was like the the saying, aye. Aye, the, the fucking oh, coin the, trick. The coin. And then when he's taking her for like a walk along the pier, and he says, "So what was he saying to you?" And he's like, "Well, he's talking about how I had nice legs." It's like he's not lying. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh Jesus! And it kind of went from dinner to like the next morning, and his Van Damme yeah. his his ass cheeks hanging out as he's putting up his wee fucking <laughs> tight pants. Wife runs exactly. Aye. I was like, right, we can. You've got muscles from head to toe. But did you? You had to get your ass out, and that's it. It's, it's one of these films where just like you, you just have to enjoy the ride. There's just it's a tournament movie. You've got your your female lead, but she's this spunky reporter that's trying to get the scoop, and I think trying to f- sleep with Frank was maybe her, trying to get her way in, and he's still like, nah, yeah. nah, you, I've got to respect Cumity, and then it's like she just found a businessman, and that's her in. Well, mm. Big ass fucking eighties haircut. I do like obviously like when it gets to like the like the actual like action the tournaments like you get the montage with the Kumite song and all that. Yeah. And then you get introduced to like all these like fucking guys that look like they could be like the next like winner and because obviously Chongli's like undefeated like champion and all that. Aye. And that's and got fucked fucking... around the world all fighting with different yeah. like styles of martial arts. And it was like when you got to see those qualifying rounds, and it's it just reminds me of how much I fucking love tournament movies. Like anything like Enter the Dragon, Quest, uh, <laughs> Mortal Kombat, maybe. But uh, uh, yeah, it's just like those the scenes where it's like Jack's an absolute murdering dudes, where it just like headbutts their yeah. face, and when they fall down, their just faces soaked in blood. And then, as you said, he fucking calls it Chongli instantly. Like, he just fucking wants the fucking gun for the king. Going <laughs> for the throne. And then, of I mean, course, uh, you get the fucking montage. I put, a, I put up a four-star review for fucking... Well, I spoke the other day, and like, mm. my reason behind it got a four-star was for fucking when uh, Frank fights uh, Hussein. And fucking knocks at his uh, gold teeth. Oh! And this is the camera. The camera fucking pans to the wee guy that's like wiping the wee mop boy. Aye. <laughs> and oh, how quickly he stuck <laughs> that tooth in his like... mouth to fucking see if it's real gold. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't even give a fuck. It's just it's, it's like his reactions. I mean, he looks on the deck and sees his fucking like gold tooth. Aye, it was like a fucking cheeky fucking kid. 
sneaking an extra chocolate and making sure nobody notices. It's like, <laughs> what? Fucking Corey uh, Feldman and fucking uh, Friday the Thing Part 4. Oh, looking, looking at across but oh, it was just what was worse. It was like there was still blood in that tooth, and he shoved it in his mouth so quick to check. Was like, ah, what you did? <laughs> nobody, nobody even fucking asked him about that. He <laughs> just fucking, he just took it. Nobody even like, like, what you did? Aye, and oh, then what was the fucking chin playing over it? It was just that, like the fight to survive. And then I'm just like Kumite. It was actually like one of these tunes where it's like, man, the thought of it all. And it, it's fucking, it's. It just reminds you of, like fucking like Rocky Four and all that. Just, like thumbs and thumbs in the fucking eighties, eh? Oh, that's it. I just fucking love a montage. I know, like uh, Team America, World Police nailed it with that song, yeah. but it's like you you fucking do love a montage in a movie, and especially yeah. when they're cunt singing over it. Yeah, but uh, what I about fucking... our fucking the? Are, they're not police, but they're like military police. Uh, Helmer and uh, Rollins. The guys for the Marines. Exactly. What was it that uh, Jackson cries uh, Forrest Whitaker's character? Dickface. Aye. Uh, I'm not your friend, Dickface. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Just such it's, a... It's the bit where he's like, he's got fucking... It's like, the two of them have got a Frank Corner than they lobby of the hotel and then Jackson just fucking spears the two of them out right, the couch. Well, they pull out these big ass uh, it looks like mobile phones for the 90s but they're actually tasers like, like tasers yeah <laughs> it's like what the fuck are these it looks like you just pulled out a pair <sighs> of boots and I fucking Jackson with a big spear and then it's almost like this uh, light hearted pop music it's like almost like a David Bowie like, song playing as they have a little run around Hong Kong yeah and it's just like Frank's running across boats. So, of course, there's Helmer and Rollins having to fucking climb over the boats as well. And they're struggling and they're falling over shit. And it's just. Mm. It's surprisingly lighthearted for like the military is chasing you. You've got to evade them. Well, let's just run around in circles. And then you've also <laughs> got like their Hong Kong contacts, like the Captain Chen. Which, like, yeah. uh, Philip Chan, four years uh, prior to his role as Superintendent Pang in Hard Boiled. He was, like, Chow Yun-Fat's boss in that film. Oh. And I was like, like, he's, like, one of these fucking faces in Hong Kong cinema. Nine times out of ten, he is playing a fucking superintendent, police chief, some or another. But it was great just to see him pop up, but... I was he wasn't much use either. Like that brilliant scene towards the end where uh, Frank's showing up for like the finals of Kumite and the police are all trying to jump him in the alley and he's just knocking them all back. Like there's like one boy he kicks him and then manages to shut the fucking door with his foot as well. Uh. And then Rollins and fucking Helmer goes to tase him and he deflects it with a bin lid. And it takes out the police. Aye, aye. <laughs> just like the police are useless in this film. Just let them fight. Fuck it. See, in my notes, I'm like, I kind of compare this one to AWOL a bit. Right. Because he, he flees the French Foreign Legion and all that because his brother's been fucking, you know, Torched. turned into a fucking crisp after a dodgy bit of fucking sugar. 
um, and then he's got the two the two fucking guys for the Legion like chasing them. Mm-hmm. So I can always compare it to that kind of. Oh, I can like, that. Almost similar. He's got another film out there called The Legionnaire, hasn't he? That's one I've never seen. I think I've seen it once, and it's it's all right, I suppose. Yeah, because I was I always thought it was like one of these ones where like, oh, do you, do you do you mean a a wall? Because I know a wall was also classed as Lionheart as well, wasn't it? Aye, that was a that was this American title we're from. Mm-hmm. But hey, let's see. Following <sighs> our story in the notes, when you get your next set of aye, it's like the second round of the Kumite fights. I really liked what they did with the music because they're kind of like one consistent beat throughout the montage and it's more or less as back and forth it's Frank's fights where it's kind of accompanied with a light beat uh, light upbeat music and then when it switches yeah. to Chong Li you get these heavier bars where it's like highlighting the dread and it's almost like, like the Darth Vader music every time it goes to Chong Li is like dong dong dong, and it's him just killing another cunt. Like there's that one boy, he gets him in a headlock, and it's just like he's waving to the crowd, like doing the Queen's wave, holding this boy's head in his arms, wave <laughs> wave, and then he fucking punches his fucking kills him, <laughs> just like this boy is evil. And then it cuts back to Frank, and it's all like upbeat pop music as he's. Fucking climbing the ladder of the tournament, and then of course you get Jackson and Chong Lee, and there's like yeah. we all know what's gonna happen. Yeah, like it's we've seen like this trope several times in films before, and you think, oh man, he's toast, he's toast. There's no way he's gonna win, and they give you like that false hope of him getting like like a almost like an early victory. He gets him down onto one knee. And then Jackson's uh, showboat, and he's just like, "I've fucking done it!" It's, uh, again, it's like Rocky Four. He's a uh, like Apollo Creed showboating. He's like, "Yes!" And then, of course, big fucking Dolph comes back and batters him. And it's as mm. this one, Chung Lee just wipes him out and just like stamps his. Not it's not a curb stomp, but it's, it's just yeah. brilliant. Like the tension where they cut back and forward between Frank watching the fight. And then Jackson in the fight, and Frank's desperate to fucking run down there and stop. And it just cuts to the like we all assume he's dead. Then it cuts to the next scene he's in hospital and there's like the giant head bandage with a wee blood dot on it. And he's just kind of like, "Yeah, I'm okay." He's like, "You're very lucky to have lived." It's like, man, if there's test screen done back in the day, folk must have loved him if they kept him around. Because mm-hmm. like any other movie, he'd be dead. That would be a funeral scene, and then that would oh, be no. enough fuel for like the next montage for Frank to win. But and it was, I was just like surprisingly, it was like when you watch the Expendables and no one actually dies. Like no one was expendable in that team. Everyone lived, nah. even like Dolph Lundgren after getting thrown on a giant spike, and being the bad guy. Yeah, nobody dies at all in any of the three, eh? Not that I could remember. I, could, I just remember it coming out the first one. I was like, man, everyone lived. Like, no one was expendable. Like, because I was like yeah. Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren for a while, and I actually thought Jet Li was going to get killed off. But nah, mm. fucking Obdi lived in that film. Yeah. 
But also what came after the, the Jackson Chong Lee was like your your sad montage. You've got Frank on a bus and there's like the sad songs playing over it. And like this this redemption track and he looks into like his reflection in the bus window. And there's <laughs> that fucking image of Chong Lee sitting on the other side of the bus with that big excited face just grinning at him. And he fucking flinches, mm. turns around and he's not there. And that's, I think that's one of the great things about Bolo. He has that really great expressive face. Like, I've never seen somebody that could twist their face so much. Like, when he's absolute battering Jackson, he gets his face, his lips, his, like this huge crooked smile, and his eyes and giant yeah. fucking eyebrows, and his big fucking bulging cheeks as he's fucking mashing this big American skull. And the fact that he fucking, like, the fact he, like, Jackson's bandana and, like, oh, tied it around his leg and, like, a keepsake. Aye. He's just there to get in Frank's head. I just pulls off his arm and just got tied around his knee. And he's like, oh, you dirty bastard. And it's it's how when he wins the fight and he's walking about with a bandana. Because it's just like the fucking hunters taking like his trophy for the kill. And he's just parading yeah. around the ring, waving it, taunting Frank. And you're just like, ah, oh, kill him now. Do it. And I always love, like how they prepare the final stage like the final fight and it's like right now the ring's like a fucking broken bed it's just kind of ah yeah it's like almost like a a lip almost yeah there's like it's, it's just kind of dipped in the middle now so we just made it a little bit more awkward for you to fight it's just the wear and tear with them and at times they're fucking especially like slam down. the big guys and all that eh? aye <laughs> <laughs> and that's it as the fucking film went on you got to see like all the blood patches for the, the amount of face plants that happened in that ring but god I think by the time I actually got to the final fight I stopped taking notes because I just end up just fucking watching it it was one of these things where I was like fuck it I'm just gonna indulge myself and just just yeah. switch off and watch this movie and it is it's, I mean like I mean, as a as a fucking classic, but like, it's no kind of aged well either when you watch it. Because like, you do see like, obviously like, like they didn't make full contact in some of Aye. the fights, like, and you clearly see it, and mm-hmm. and it's that gets kind of a bit more evident towards the final fight with Chung Lee and Frank. Yeah, like when they were doing some of those big flying knees, they're just kind of arranged Aye. in a a good way, but. I feel it's like back in the day that these films were a better majority of them were done in one take. Like some yeah. of the shoddy acting at the start was like, hey, aye, that'll do. Let's move on. Like we want to get this film shot in a fortnight and then cinemas two weeks later. Yeah. But aye, it was I was thoroughly entertained with the final fight. And I like how everyone kind of more or less came to watch it. Like how uh, Janice was against it because I was like, remember when Chung Lee just absolutely snapped the boy's leg? Aye. And it just like, it was just, it was too graphic for her. And then he even had this... she was also arguing, she was even arguing with him in the hospital when they were seeing Jackson. Exactly. It was like, no way, you'll get fucking killed. But even by the end of it, you've got her sat in the crowd, even the fucking military police. 
Because like, you better yeah. be on that fucking plane by Monday. And it's like, all right, come. And then they're all just sat front row. And I can't even think if the fucking police were there if Captain Chen took a seat as well. And was like, should I really be sitting here in this underground fight? And like, being a fucking chief of police, probably shouldn't have let this fly. And there's there's that one, like, the, the businessman that uh, Janice showed up with when they're all waiting for Frank to show up and they're panicking. I think it was going to be forfeited and the guy's sitting tucking money into the referee's shirt and sh- as soon as mm. Frank shows up, he quickly grabs the wad of cash back off him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, ah, nah, fuck you. Fuck you. Uh, it's not, uh, too soon. It was. It's one of these ones where, fuck, I'm trying to actually think. I, I didn't take note of how the film ended, but obviously... He wins the fight. He gets them to submit. And I'm trying to remember there was a little bit more after it, wasn't it? Aye, because um, fucking aye, because like Chung Lee throws like the salt. Oh, aye. Like and in his eyes and, and exactly. he's like blinded and and then obviously he's kind of see, training. but then he uses, uh, he uses his training to fucking think back, overcome him and aye, stuff. Fight whilst being blinded. And it works out well because you're wondering at the start, like, what the fuck's this got to do with your training? Like, ah, perfect foreshadowing. But uh, then you get dropped with all those factoids at the end, don't you? Aye. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's one of these films where it's like, yeah, it's no kickboxer, but when you watch it, it's like, man, but it's still a pretty fucking good film. I think I actually like this a bit more than kickboxer because it like, can you just. It moves along at like a decent pace and all that. Whereas, like, with, with Kitboxer, you get, like, goes obviously, like, Kitboxer, he's just his brother's, like, trainer sort of thing. Aye. He then has, you get that long fucking drawn out thing where he's getting trained by the by the guy in the like, the countryside and that, like, can, like, we just got him, like, fucking trees and drop the coconut and all that. Aye. And it's just it's drawn out a bit more. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, do you oh, have yeah, any... I still fucking love it. Oh, that's it. Like, I feel like these films need some good Blu-ray treatment. And I think, obviously, Kickboxer mm. did get it with the release of like Retaliation and Retribution and all that, because they turned that into a box set pretty fucking quick. But I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't... Like, I don't think Kickboxer's got like a 2K restoration on it. Yeah, but I would I would like to see like a nice a better quality copy because I think when I watched Bloodsport for the first time and it was only just this year, like this is one of these ones that has been on my like fucking pile of shame for a while. Uh, uh, and when I watched the DVD, I was watching on it was an absolute potato. It was the like, this was clearly one of these DVDs you got free with your Blu-ray player in 2004. Uh, I was like, oh, this is definitely... Co- what special features? Oh, chapters. So, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing a nice quality copy. Thankfully, it was on Netflix, so... It was already uh, an improvement on the DVD I had. Yeah, definitely. Right, uh, is there any notes on your end that we've missed? Or you want to get out there before we move mm-hmm. on? Yeah, so that was, I've got like the budget and box office and all that. All right, just go for it. Budget for this one, I mean, it's 
this was what Van Damme breakthrough fucking film. Yeah. Uh, budget for this one was only one point five mil. I was going to say that I I expected less than five, but ones. That's good. And yeah. I guess it's it's eighties. It's not well known stars as of yet. So, makes sense. Uh, um, I could only see domestic on. Uh, uh, box office module, but mm-hmm. when you click on like budget and box office on like Google, it gives you like the actual like IMDb standings, right? So, uh, the domestic it made 11 mil. There you go, so it's all right, you know, like in, totally. in the times that's considered a blockbuster kind of, you know, Aye, definitely it's made 10 times its value, exactly. Like, that's mm-hmm. one way to fucking blow up. But then it ended up raking in about fucking 38 mil um, worldwide, like domestic. That's so good. overall it made like 50 mil like worldwide. So half a one million, half a one million budget. Exactly. It's so bad, like. Totally. 50 times it's fucking budget, that's decent. Mm-hmm. No wonder fucking Van Damme shot to the moon after it. Uh, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, I was like 80 and he was always in like like Kipbox was like 89 and then like say 90 was like you know, some soldier and it's like yeah. there was at least because obviously he was competing with Stallone and fucking yeah uh, and that's it they're, they're all getting older that. at that point like they're all their yeah. heydays were in the 70s and uh, Arnold was like the 80s and now it was like right 90 okay they're still here but they're no as sharp as they were 10 years ago and they're fucking nah. Van Damme and like Hard Targets and Time Cop and as you said, Universal Soldier, fucking sudden death, nowhere to hide, yeah. and it's just he's fucking on fire, throwing it like films every year almost. Aye, uh, so two trivia notes. Also, you talked about uh, like Frank Jutes being like one of the stunt. Oh shit! Aye, yeah. Like, Folk, well, he was the fight coordinator for the film. Right, that makes a lot of sense. And he um, basically said that fucking Van Damme was like nowhere near the physical shape for like the role of Fran Duke, so he put him through a three month uh, rigorous fucking training program. <laughs> Took a few pages out of fucking Tanaka's book, sitting stretching yeah. his legs. Like, that's always one of the great things I love about Jean-Claude Van Damme. He always has that great scream where he's in pain, being fucking pushed to his limit. He's like... Aah! Aah! Where he's got him... It's almost like that Iron... Not an Iron Maiden, but... Like those medieval films where they get drawn by horses on his arms and legs. But he's got them on these fucking wooden dummies, fucking stretching his fucking legs out and his arms. And he's just fucking screaming. I always appreciate uh. a good... Jean-Claude Van Damme scream. Aye. And other, uh, other trivia note I had was that uh, Ray Jackson uses no recognisable martial arts at all. <laughs> in the Bar room brawling. Pretty much, yeah. 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 And I'm pretty sure I read as well that it was like, I'm pretty sure like Van Damme helped edit the film to kind of rush along at getting like, put out there and I didn't think he took off like a 
price for I think he's just going to done it off his own back maybe he's just fucking keen did you ever watch the that film he done about 10 15 years ago where it was almost like semi autobiographical like JCVD aye aye it says aye yeah what that king but that's one where it's like filmed in like France and I yeah aye and He's in, there, there's like a fucking hostage, a hold up in a fucking post office he's Aye. in. And they're all looking at him like, you're Jean-Claude Van Damme, sorry out. And it's like, no, I'm just a fucking actor, I'm sorry. Like, I, my hands are up too. And there's like one Aye. moment he just looks to the camera and kind of just talks about, like, his life. And it's strange that he's sitting talking to the camera, turned the audience, and he's actually floating off of the set. Like, he's in the post office. Then he starts going off of the ground, and it's all kind of the camera's fixed on his face, but the background's dropping away, and then he's going up past the studio lights, and he's like, "What the fuck is this?" And like, I feel like it was like one of these yeah. songs, like a great revelation, kind of peek into his life, and then two years later, just yeah, I'm the bad guy in Expendables too. <sighs> so, but it was, it was always like one of those strange ones where it's ah, he's trying to break the mold and do something different. Aye. Uh, Pretty sure he got a lot of like critical acclaim. Oh, totally. I I think he was like, like fucking like Cannes Film Festival promoting it, and like it was definitely kind mm. of shone the light back on him again. Yeah. Since we're all talking about Van Damme, other than Bloodsport, we did you did ask me to take note of a top five for John Claude Van Damme. Uh, yeah. Do you want to go first or shall I? I'll go first, like, okay. um, I think, see, I, I think my, my top five is always going to be, like, Universal Soldier, um, Bloodsport, Sudden Death, obviously, it has to be Sudden Death, um, Hard Target, and mm-hmm. um, Kickboxer. As it minds, isn't he that much different? And it just comes down to the ones I've watched far more often than the rest. So obviously Top yeah. Spot, Sudden Death, followed up with Street Fighter, Kickboxer, Bloodsport and The Quest. Mm. So and it's just because it's like, easy there's, there's go so to. many that you could do you could do a fucking a top ten and you can still no be satisfied with fucking well, what you sort of want eh? Sometimes I feel like I've still not seen enough of his films because the guy's Aye. got absolute loads out there, like seventy-five credits, and man, when you think of like some of his underrated films, I always remember you put me on to his film. It was sort of like another twin movie, almost a replicant. Aye, with Michael Rooker. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember, I how fucking good that film was, and that was surprised because I was just yeah, like that... Van Damme wasn't even on my radar at that point. So many years later, I'm pretty into... sure that's a, I'm pretty sure that's one of the films that it is. They are, I I've seen like the, the red artwork, it's sort of yeah. like a, a dark red tone to the case. Uh, yeah, let me see if I could find Jean Claude Van Damme on Letterboxd. Right, so according to Letterboxd, he's an actor in 79 films, I've seen 30% of them. 30. Yeah, so. And that's it. They're just so fucking many. Um, let's see. Fade. Watch. What are some of the big ones I haven't actually seen? Like Death Warrant, Maximum Risk, 
the Universal Soldier, Day of Reckoning, like like the sort of like the right to DVD ones. Uh, uh, Regeneration. Yeah. You done a Welcome to the Jungle movie, Inferno. Oh, one of his more recent ones, The Bouncer. No, I watched The Bouncer last week. Right. Just because it was, I was just want to find something to watch, and I was like, an eighty minute runtime, mm-hmm. and I, and I mean, it was in, I had subtitles and all that. It was alright. It wasn't fucking great or that. I mean, yeah, that's probably that's one of his like lower it. ones. Because yeah, that's it. I mean, when you run off the titles of all the films he does nowadays, like Enemies Closer, Pound of Flesh. Six Bullets, Dragon Eyes, Wake of Death, Derailed, The Shepherds, uh, Until Death, Hard Corpse, Second Command, Kill Them All, uh, uh, Alien Uprising. Straight to DVD share. Aye. And it is, you're just kind of falling in line with what you'd find when you walk into Sainsbury's and there's a whole rake of fucking random Danny Trejo films or... Uh-huh. Random Bruce Lee film, not Bruce Lee, Bruce Willis films you've never heard of. And it's like, oh, he's in it for five minutes, that's why. Okay. Um, well, that's it. It's, it's what happens when they, they're like an icon of the 80s and the 90s. Ah. Uh, because Jackie Chan does a whole rake of films nowadays and you're just taking, what the fuck? Is there uh, any qualities to these? But Did you, um, <clears throat> did you manage to come up with like a underrated title for him. I, I think the film In Hell was really one of those ones that impressed me back in the day when I first saw it and that was the one where he was like uh, he was, he's in prison eh? yeah his wife gets killed and I think it gets blamed on him and he starts seeing it's not fairies or angels it's sort of like spirits are almost kind of talking to him to get mm-hmm. him out of prison and try and find the people that done it and it was Aye. something like we rented on for like global video, rented it on DVD, like right when it came out, and that was like when I was right into my Hong Kong cinema phase, and I knew it was Ringo Lam had directed it, so I just fucking jumped on it. Yeah, and it wasn't actually half bad, but fuck, I think I've seen it since like two thousand three, so definitely needs to get like a a revisit along with fucking most of these other films. And to be yeah. honest, if these were all on like streaming services, I'd probably end up working my way through them. Aye. I'm not like uh, homeworking as much as I used to be like earlier in like this pandemic, so I'm no tearing through about fifteen films a week. It's getting to the point where mm. it's like five. But if I had time I would totally watch a random Jean Claude Van Damme film every day. Mm. Aye. Uh, what about you? What do you have any see, underrated um, films? For me, it has to be Inferno. Well, I think I think Inferno was its American title. I think it's mm-hmm. title he was like Desert Heat. Right. Okay. And it's like a it's like a late nineties one, and it's he plays like a like a drifter, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like he fucking goes to this like town that's like overrun by this like biker gang, and and he's getting kind of guided by this. Like this, like the spirit of his dead pal who happens to be played with fucking Danny Trejo. Holy shit! <laughs> right. right, like he goes into this like town and there's like drunks. I'm pretty sure Harry Dean Stanton's there as well. Oh, nice. Nice. 
and it's again he fucking like just shags anything and all that. <laughs> and it is, it's, it's harmless fun. It's harmless fun. Aye. And that's one that's definitely worth checking. It's a good wee laugh, like. Aye, man, and definitely I was. I think even now, like through raking through charity shops, I don't actually see as many Jean Claude Van Damme films as I feel I should. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, if I definitely see ones I haven't seen, I think I'm just going to start fucking collecting them just just to work through the collection. Aye, because the man's I done mean, a body like, of work. Same with fucking same with Lanny done with Dennis Rodman double team. Yeah, and uh, he goes up against uh, Mickey Rourke. Aye. That was all right. Yeah, I remember like the sort of ends into that, whether in the like that kind of arena, like where an arena like, sort of thing, where it's like monster trucks, but there's like landmines and a fucking tiger. Yeah, of course there is. Why? Why won't there be a tiger? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've exhausted the topic, man. Yeah. So and that's it. Obviously, yeah, maybe a few years ago when it was like John Claude. If he was turned six a few years ago when we were kind of firing podcasts out every week, we could have easily done a Jean-Claude Van Damme season and covered several films and chucked in a commentary and all that. But I feel nowadays this is as good as it's going to get sat and talk for about an hour and a half. And we're giving an audience a little bit of everything. Some trailer talk, a whole fucking chunk of Jean-Claude Van Damme. So I think we've done good. Yeah. If anyone wants to catch up with us on social media, you can with a at FAS podcast for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, a letterboxed as well, I, I think, or is it Stu1985, maybe? And Mikey, your is Mikey Van B for is it just Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd? Cool. Aye, yeah, Letterboxd as well, aye. Right, fair enough. So, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know when you'll hear from us next. We might squeeze it one more episode before the end of the year. I reckon. It's just going to have to be something cool that comes up and we think, perfect, let's have a talk about that. But in the meantime, I have been your host, Stuart Sutherland, and joining me across the internet, Magic Mike Christie. Yep. Fuck off and tune in next time.